Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, hustlers. We know that this 2024, the entrepreneurial journey is filled with challenges. An often overlooked aspect is the time-consuming task of processing payroll and managing government requirements. And did you know that the average admin spends a whopping 50 hours per month dealing with just government compliance? That's time you could be spending on growing your business, or let's be honest, taking a well-deserved break. But fear not, we got a game changer for you, introducing Sprout Solutions and their tailored solutions for MSMEs called the Payroll Starter. With Sprout Solutions Payroll Starter, you can finally reclaim your time and get your life back on track. Say goodbye to the stress of remembering tax dates or worrying about missed payroll runs. This bundle is designed to make your life easier and your business more efficient. And here's the best part. The cost starts just at 5,000 pesos per month for businesses with up to 10 employees. Yep, you heard that right. That's just 5,000 pesos per month. So why spend another minute drowning in payroll paperwork when Sprout can revolutionize the way you manage your payroll and government requirements? Take the first step towards a more efficient business today. Visit sprout.ph slash monthly 5 k If you missed that, don't worry. We have it in the description box of this episode. So click that too. And again, big shout out to Sprout Solutions because your time is too valuable to be spent on paperwork. Reclaim it with their payroll starter. Now let's begin this episode. I think technology can only take you to you know, to a certain point of success, right? And I think you have to learn that um, while this will take you to a plane, you have to learn technology, you have to learn the art of business. Welcome to Hustle Share, the podcast that features the daily grinds of unique hustlers around the world to show not our differences, but that our hustles are very much alike. Now here's your host, Ronster Baypyong. Welcome to episode 30 of the Hustle Share Podcast. My name is Ronster, and I'm your host. And this episode is brought to you by Payroll Hero. A time, attendance, scheduling, HR, and payroll solution for Philippine companies. If you're new to the show, we're glad to have you on board. We're about to wrap up season one. But before we get started, please make sure that you're in a safe environment because we use a lot of adult language in this podcast. Now we have another blockbuster of an episode today because we have someone who's considered to be one of the forefathers of the Philippine startup ecosystem. And his name is Winston Damarillo, the founder of DevCon and so many other companies like Amihan, Akalef, and many more. But today, what we're going to highlight on is how he became a dev and how he was able to turn his career to be a tech mogul where he was able to do three exits in Silicon Valley as a Pinoy founder. But before that, we're going to go way back and talk about how he got into Silicon Valley and how he coded his way to his first job in Intel. 
Then he's also going to share how he transformed from being a dev into a VC within the Intel ecosystem. Also, he's going to take us back to how he jumped and took his first company to be acquired by IBM in just 11 months and how he was able to replicate that again with two of his next companies to be acquired again. He's also gonna share the mission behind DevGon and why he put it up to help the Philippine dev community improve and become world-class in terms of standards and how it was like to be working with PLDT when he was the CSO or the Chief Strategy Officer while he was with them. And then get ready because he's gonna be sharing a lot of knowledge with us in this one because he's gonna be talking about how he spots opportunities and how he built his team and the characteristics of people that he hires. He's also gonna share tips for startups on how they can partner up with big corporations so that they can collaborate. Aside from that, Winston's also gonna share his philosophy in angel investing and how he looks for founders that he wants to fund. And stick around till the end because he will also share what his biggest fuck up is in his career. So if you're ready, to learn the hustle of a tech mogul, let's begin this episode right now. Welcome to the latest episode of the Hustle Share Podcast. We are with one of the people that I admire the most. Uh, if you're if you don't know your history as a startup founder, then you're you're kind of messed you're messed up because. This guy, again, I, I told him prior to re pressing the record button, is part of my Mount Rushmore of startup founders, right? Uh, of who built this city, per se, right? There's the Dado Banatas, which we all look at, which you, he works with. And, uh, you know, they built the foundation of the tech industry. And I'm talking about none other than Mr. Winston Damarillo of, of wait, who, I, I don't... Amihan, there's so many things that's going yeah. on right now. Winston, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me. I'm excited to uh, to talk to you about hustle. Yeah, absolutely. And again, you 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 just resonate so much energy and whatnot. It's, it's infectious, right? But Winston, just for real quick, for those people who need to know the history of the Philippine tech scene, what's your hustle? Well. You know, I, I still describe myself primarily as a Pinoy geek in geek entrepreneur, right? So Got that's it. that's really kind of the the signature by which I build everything I do uh, in the Philippines. So I think it all started way back when, you know, before open source was open right. source and cloud was cloud. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's really more about uh, a, a young guy that studied in La Salle that okay. went to the States. Animo. Right. Animo, yep. Uh, went to the States and... Wanted to be in the tech scene there, right about the time also that uh, Silicon Valley was just about yes. to get birthed. So after you graduated, you went to the States right away? Yep, I did. Okay, and you were doing, were you a startup founder back then or what were your first gig? Or did you do any kind of like hustle or, or any whatever that you did before? Well, I became a startup entrepreneur by, by necessity actually. So it's an ah. accidental hustle for me. But, okay. you know, I went to the States for a very clear, clean reason. I think okay. from my perspective, it was clear. I went there because my girlfriend went to the States and I went, ah, <laughs> I went after there. So like okay. a very classic Pinoy reason to go to yeah. the States, I guess. But um, but when I got there, I needed to make sure that um, that uh, I follow my dreams as well, which ah. is to, to be in technology. Okay. Uh, I studied in La Salle in industrial engineering, so I actually mm. wasn't in computer science. Got it. But when I got to the States, mm. I got this bug 
somehow in my head that I can only work for IBM or Microsoft or Intel. Ah, There's those three. Got it. And so went back to train myself. Mm -hmm. I actually studied uh, at the time Novell Networking. Wow. Um, uh, and and studied that on my own. And this hustle started uh, from then on end. I just wanted mm -hmm. to work for these three companies. And yeah. I wasn't from Stanford. I wasn't from, right, right. from LaSalle. You know, right. From MIT. So LaSalle right. may have been popular here, but in the U.S., they're like, LaSalle what? <laughs> Wait, LaSalle in, like, in the NCAA? Yeah, where, where is that? Where is that, right? right? And that's the closest I can describe it. It's like Boston U, right? Oh, but it's wow. not really. Okay. Uh, <laughs> this is the, the Philippine edition of it. Right, but, right. but I really wanted to go to uh, work for those three companies. So okay. my hustle started when I thought, of trying to get there. I think it took me 25 to 30, you know, ways to try to get to work wow, there. Wow, holy So crap. many different ways. Until I finally get to a point where I said, look, the only way these guys uh, will look at me in the same credibility as the right. Stanford grads is that I presented them my work product. Got so it. I wrote software, right? Early so versions coded. of... I didn't know this. I coded my way into wow. uh, Intel, right? And so wow. I essentially... The beginning of the time when computers and telephony was just merging together. Right. And a lot of people were beginning to think, how do I stream voice over the internet? Right. Mm. And the difference between circuit, the telephone, and the, the internet is that when you send a packet of data, they go in five different routes. Right. And, and then they get assembled at the end. Yeah. But if you have voice, right, and you're sending that over the internet, those packets need to be synchronized so that right. the voice is legible. So Got it. that was the first software I wrote, put, putting them all wow. together. Right. But how difficult was it to, to learn programming when there was, I mean, there's internet back then, but it's not as open source as now where you can literally go to GitHub. Look at somebody else's code. How do you self-teach yourself to, to get this hustle? That's very difficult. Well, the nice thing about software, just like anything else, is you can actually break them down to atomic pieces, right? Mm. So first, there's the beginning of the code. Then right. there's the packets, and there's the variables, and there's the connections. There's the assembly of it, right? So uh, for me, it was... If you slow your brain down a little bit and, and think about those basics, software is really, really very fundamental. Right. And it's also probably good to know that if you if you don't know how complex it is, you, you know, it's a kind of ignorance is bliss at that standpoint. Mm -hmm. I just went for it, ah. right? And and um, uh, I was fortunate enough that I picked the right spot. So it was yeah. the intersection of networking and voice. Nice. It was the beginning of the internet, so people were just trying to figure out like, what else can I do with the internet, right? Yeah. Rather than surfing. And multimedia was kind of a cool thing, right? If we add multimedia to the internet, right? If we can send video to the internet, that's interesting. Uh, but then if we started communicating yeah. in the internet, right? Video conferencing and voice conferencing was early. Yes. And I really just wrote a really simple code, but okay. it's really just to synchronize the packet so the voice becomes legible. Wow. And that video conferencing can be uh, achieved over the internet. Okay. I presented that code to Intel and I said, look, I did not graduate from Stanford, but I have this I did code. This. And if you right. want it, you can hire me. <laughs> and so I did. Wow. That was the, and I remember that my uh, girlfriend at the time, my wife now, mm. we drove from Tacoma, Washington to Portland, Oregon to show this no to the way. Intel from architecture. The Pacific Northwest. <laughs> all yeah, the it way was down. raining and it was snowing. Yeah. Um, I, I, I know. I, I remember. I was poor then. Right. I don't have a job. I just got to the states, and you know, wow. I had to rent the nicest possible car I can afford. Absolutely. <laughs> you <laughs> can't roll in with whatever in there, right? And, and I just remember. I've never haven't told this to anyone. So I went to. You know, it was my my wife's family had a wedding in Tacoma, yeah. and so we were there. Wow. And I'm like, I'm close enough to Intel Architecture Labs in Portland. 
I better rent a car and oh, see, this, in Portland. see this guy. Well, the architecture labs ah, was in Portland. It, this is the, the group that did the inter- yeah. Intel architecture groups. And so I said, like, I want to show this guy my code and maybe he'll hire me. And ah. actually, Pam, my wife, went with me. We drove from Tacoma oh, wow. to Oregon. That's uh, interstate, by the way. For just, to, for <laughs> just to put it in perspective, like you're like going to Baguio. Going is that like Baguio Manila distance? Right about, right about. Right. Yeah, That's so very it's just far. A, but it's plain, it's flat, right? It wasn't climbing up. Correct, but but, but it was good. Region yeah, it's notorious for rain. Yeah, it was wet. Yeah, it's All always damp time. and it's always wet. Right. Uh, but it's beautiful because it's green, right? So we went Think there. Twilight. That's that's the setting, right? Like, like twilight. Yeah, pretty the, much all misty right. all the time, right? Correct. And 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 so, um, I showed my code. He loved it. Right. Um, and then he said, "Hey." Uh, if you want, you have a place here. Wow. And that's how I got my job. Right? It wasn't a resume. Holy it wasn't shit. a school. It was just code. What so a that's hustle. why right. from then on end, I always say, I, I, you know, I owe this to software and OS to the geeks. And, you know, everything that I have become has a lot to do with that simple code. Until now, again, to what you're doing now, just to fast forward everything, that's always been the calling and what you've been doing. So it's been great. So now I know where it stemmed from. Yeah. Right. Girlfriend and code. There are two things. Right? <laughs> women <Perfect>. and <laughs> the oh, woman wow. and the code. Right. That, that's go. the whole. That's, that's the, the whole secret. formula right there. <laughs> yeah. So from that point on, you did Intel. How long did you stay in Intel? A long time. I think it was about nine years. Um, wow. Uh, I I never thought you know, the the, the young kid that went to Intel thought right. I'd get two years. You know, in my belt, I'm going to leave and start my yeah, own company yeah, yeah. and all that stuff. But I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, yep. I had an opportunity to work with Andy Grove. I had an opportunity to be rotated. I started as a, a geek, as an engineer. Yep. Then they taught me sales. Then they taught me marketing. Then they taught me venture capital. It and actually wow. was one of the pioneers at the time when Intel Capital was just being put together. And wow. we were trying to see, you know, what, what DC is all about, right? And and how do you invest in such a high-risk venture? And how do you invest in IP when there's no collateral? Correct, correct. And, and more importantly, how do you invest in your p- future competition? Absolutely. Right? But and here's so, the transition because it's a totally different ballgame, right? Yeah. The dev, the, just from a dev's point of view where you're a builder by default, yeah. and then you transition into all these things where it's business. I mean, there's a lot of similarities, but it's a totally different environment, totally different dynamic. What are the things that you learned along that way that set you up that are very important that you're still using now? I think technology can only take you to, you know, to a certain point of success, right? And I think you have to learn that um, while this will take you to a plane, you have to learn technology, you have to learn the art of business, right? You need to then uh, translate what you're doing in technology to value. So for instance, BOIP, um, uh, algorithm is interesting for mm-hmm. other geeks, but then I would say, can you imagine if you can now talk over the internet, right? So that's yes. the transition. And then can you imagine if we replace the cost of long distance, mm-hmm. right, to a cheaper $10 a month regular yeah. cost of just having the internet? And think about now you can talk over the internet, but you can also browse and get other value and then translate that. Imagine if I can sell this to 1,000 people, right? And so now you can really build up from this mm-hmm. is the technology that's that's what I'm building, but uh-huh. this is the business that will result from this technology. Yes. And I think that's the beauty of, of technology entrepreneurship, right? If you can you can see that end to end, right? With this super cool algorithm all the way to this IPO. Right. Got and, it. That, and and that's that's been again that, that's been the hustle, I guess. That's that's the goal for me. That's the pot at the end of the rainbow, Got right? It. Is this how do I translate this code to, to that? That's crazy. Now what how did you take the leap? 
the first sleep and it's like all right uh, you said you wanted two years but you stayed nine years how did you was it straight entrepreneurship or did you do other jobs it was really about you know growing and learning right like it's it's like do you see yourself growing and learning and i I have thought that i could learn as much as i can in technology and software for two years which i did Mm -hmm. Uh, however marketing was so fascinating right so Ah. um, i was in a group that invented uh mmx technology so this is the uh, non-integer technology of microprocessor and again that's the geek term of it but the value of that is it allows you to do deformations and transforms that give you 3d gaming Right. Oh. Right. So that's that's kind of how you take geek. This is cool. Yep. It's 3D the gaming. Crash Bandicoot right? that you yep. see and whatnot. Yeah, and this MMORPG and yeah, single yeah, player yeah. and all that kind of stuff, right? And then you take that one more step in saying, look, but Intel is not a gamer company. How do we affect the gamer? Oh, let's go invest in them, right? So we use capital wow. to then go to things like EA and Westwood Studios and all those guys what? to say. Look, if you use our MMX processor, right? If you, if, so if, if you do more for right. your game, we'll help you with the risk. And this is the venture capital part of it, right? So I invested in all wow. the gaming companies. So that was super cool, right? So now I've learned marketing out of technology and then the leverage of capital, right? right? Uh, to open a big, a, 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 a big market. So that was kind of, so I continued to learn from there, right? Uh, so that was cool. And then, you know, it just keep, kept going from there. Got it. That- then you did. Did you do your own uh, uh, company already after that? No, I, I kept trying. Like I kept getting recruited um, right. to to build companies. So okay. after technology, I went to sales. After sales, I went to venture capital. Okay. And at the venture capital group at Intel, you hit seven years. They give you a sabbatical. Really? And they actually tell you that, hey, take two months off. Think about your life. Think about where you're like gonna a be. Seven year itch in marriage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. It's like. Uh, you know, are you ready to, to be on your own? I actually was given advice by a couple of my mentors at Intel. It said, look, you've done a good job at Intel. You can always come back. Ah. Right. But this is year 2000, so just after Y2K. Yep. And they told me that, but you have a potential to build your own startup. Wow. Right. And for me, I was fascinated with yet another new phenomenon it's called open source. Open right? source. So this was in 1998, 2000, like 11 wow. people. Uh, started coining free software at the time yeah. with the new term open source. The problem with calling it free software, which is how right, it began, right, Linux right, was right. called free software, right. and turned it into open source, is open source created a business model. It mm. means that the source code is open, but not necessarily free. Correct. Right? And so that fascination took me to leave Intel and actually build my first startup. Which was? This is about open source. A company called Glue Code Software. Wow. And the idea of it's glue right. and code. So it's essentially uh-huh. software that connects software together. Ah. It was built in open source. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, the whole idea is to take down big guys. And we, we vectored it against big players like BA and right. Oracle and IBM. Wow. And we decided to disrupt not just the, the innovation of software, but the way software is built. And your role there, was it? A product guy, or you were wearing the business guy hat already? Dude, that was it. I, I built the company. I and, owned it. Wow. <laughs> um, it was, you know, it's it's kind of a, 
uh, it's a leap of faith because I was super comfortable at Intel at this time, yes, right? So nine I'm, years, I'm, seven years. You old. know, when you say you work oh. for Intel, people know you in the valley. When you say you're in venture capital, there's not a whole lot of you at the time, right? Right. So a lot of the people actually ask me, why, the, why the hell do you leave, right? Yep. Uh, but I was getting fascinated with how to make money and how to build businesses around open source. Got it. I was also fascinated about all these venture funded startups that I funded that have, mm-hmm. done, have done very well. So, yeah. so I, I took the leap, built the first startup uh, called Gluco. Did not work the first time mm-hmm. around. Um, and actually, these were the good old days where you write the business plan in a napkin, you get funded. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, it was a myth, but it is re- really is a reality before. So I did. Yeah. So I wrote the business plan on a napkin. I got $10 million. <laughs> was it um, a Kleenex or was it brand specific it, or not? Yeah, but it did not work, actually. Ah. Uh, sometimes when you get it too easy, uh, things don't work. Correct. You, you correct. don't value as much as you did. So the first version of Glucode did not work. In fact, oh. halfway through the company, I was thinking, God, I built this wrong. Um, I built it in the wrong place. I built it with the wrong people. And uh, the only thing lucky for me is I built it with the right venture capitalists. So I, I respectfully mm. went down, you know, and uh, to them and said, "Look, guys, I think I, I think I made a mistake. I'm gonna right. return half the money. I'm sorry, I burned the half already. Right. I'm return half the money. Let me re-engineer it." And actually, that was a really important milestone because it, to me, the right model was to build open source software. Mm-hmm. And to go back to the Philippines, right? I need to like really lower the cost of engineering, right. and I want to do it with my peeps, right? So I want to do it back in the Philippines. Right. So we built Glucode Software Philippines, combined right. it with Glucode Software USA, wow. um, built it to the right proper models, and got the discipline. So my fancy Santa Monica office in the Fort, you know, street <laughs> was shut down. Wow. Uh, my wife and I hosted our geeks in our house in, in Playa del Rey. Got it. Um, and then I said, look, I'm going to continue to lower the cost of software by using Filipino developers. Right? Which was back then, how was the ecosystem like? Uh, this is circa 2001, 2002. Oh this is when Exist Software is put together. Right. Um, we did a lot of pioneering things. Um, first uh-huh. software that's do all 100% notebook based. Now everything's notebook, right? right, but, right. but at the time, CRT tube and <laughs> oh, wow. all that stuff, right? Um, first company that's all Wi-Fi um, in the wow. building uh, back then. Uh, we built our first tech bar in Cebu. Yes. Uh, so so we have that then. Um, but at the end of it, it was really more about. If I were to disrupt software, I have to disrupt it from the bottom, meaning I have to be the lowest price, best Grass quality, roots. right? So you get this because yeah. the IBMs won't go down. You won't, won't if you take them down to fight down to the mud, they're not going to go down Absolutely. there, right? That's murky um, for them. Nope. Yeah. I'm so not there, there. So, so right. I, we did that. We re-engineered Glucode that way. And then when I felt like I built it right, I went back to the VCs. Ah. They put the money in. And in 11 months, we sold the company to IBM. What? Yeah. So that was Holy really fun, shit. right? So. Uh, we had uh, we, there was a, then a fight between Glucode and J Boss. There was you know the good old days of smack talking. Wow, I, I miss that actually. So we had a lot of a lot of <laughs> old school WWE style. <laughs> yeah, and, and there's actually a, a, a newspaper uh, article that had me and the founder of J Boss in, in in a wrestling outfit and slugging through. Um, uh, uh, the open source pits, right? The, right? the early game of open source. And right. and we had the same target. He was going after Oracle. I was going after IBM. Wow. Uh, but we were successful. IBM bought us, right? Yeah. It was the first acquisition of open source by a major company. Was it? Pro- so. That's probably... I mean, there's early 
ones like Chica, but that's on a local player. But for a Filipino yeah. to get acquired with Filipino talent from the Valley, yeah. that was virtually unheard of. Yeah, and we you, were we were acquired in New York, and and there are a couple of things that I'm proud of, and and you know one thing that I was regretful of. Um, I was really proud of the work we did, okay. the product that came out of it. Okay. Um, I was regretful that I didn't take that as an opportunity at that time then okay. to really highlight Filipino excellence around the world. Ah. Um, frankly, I was quite um, uncertain on how it was going to be received. Got it. Right. So uh, we didn't deny it, but we didn't we didn't take that opportunity to, to be proud of it. Yeah. But it was fun, and then yeah. it got me to build a few more companies. If you don't there. mind me asking, how? What, what, if you're free to, I think you've disclosed this in several. And I remember watching an interview with you on A and C. You're talking about it's like how, under a hundred million is the official word, right? But it's it's somewhere between fifty and hundred. It was Holy it was a good shit. number in um, two thousand whatever. Well, more importantly, it only had VC money for eleven months. Oh my god! Um, so, uh, but then, like I said, failure breeds really good success right so prior to that we did screw up right and didn't do right. it right um so i think that was it and then and then and then building companies just became addicting right so i built oh. more and then sold built one sold to red hat you know this logic place and we built another one sold to intaglio so we had i had three exits as a founder wow um, to date um and then from then on then you know i i kept remembering that I owe this debt of gratitude to Pinoy to Geeks, Pinoy and I have to spend more time uh, being a Pinoy Geeks and be proud of it. Um, we furthered the cost of open source. Right. Uh, we heralded, heralded the the birth of cloud computing. Wow. Um, so Eucalyptus, the first cloud computing right. platform, OpenStack. You know, we were in OpenStack Austin, which is the oh first release, God. and that was actually our company's built in Cebu. Wow. Uh, and then we started thinking about other things, you know, what's next after open source and okay. cloud computing. Now let's take a quick break and let's talk about what's those things that you d you did right after. Because, dude, three exits, that's crazy. <laughs> after one exit, like, holy shit, that was a whole journey. But yeah. you did it three times. In 11 months, the first one, and 15 months, that's crazy. If you're not blown away yet, then I don't know what's wrong with you. But before that, let's take a break and discuss more Vincent's journey. More after the break. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey guys, I have a very, very exciting opportunity I want to share with you guys. If you're a B2B startup founder, listen up. Your ticket to growth is here. Introducing Impact24, the Philippines' largest B2B SaaS challenge. 
calling all startups in their pre-launch, pre-seed, or seed stages. This is your chance to accelerate your growth. Submit your pitch to Impact24 and get ready for a 10-week intensive program to elevate your solution. What's in it for you? How about up to 500,000 pesos in MVP project support, exclusive credits from industry partners, personalized mentoring, and a shot to pitch at SASCON PH, the country's biggest SAS conference this April. But yo, you gotta hurry up because submissions close on January 26, 2024 already. Don't miss out on this opportunity to take your startup to new heights. Apply now at saschallenge.ph. That's saschallenge.ph. And good luck and I'll see you guys in Impact 24. And we're back from the break. We're still with a three-time exit. I don't know. If, I don't know if that, that's just from what you told me. How, what's the official number of how many exits you've had? <laughs> well, it's three that 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 I built, and and a few that I've invested in. Oh right? So God. I did thirty that's... deals for Intel Capital, and, yeah. and we exited about eight. What? Um, but but you know that's for Intel, and this yeah. was year two thousand. You throw dartboards on on the wall, and right. you know and hope and pray. That'd be a good <laughs> spray and pray. There, there are, yeah. Well, y- yeah, you throw dartboards, and you'll they'll probably go IPO, right? So it was a <laughs> it was a good old day. So so yeah. uh, so don't look at that as as a high number. But um, I, I think we were lucky to be at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Now, Wince, I, I want to understand now. Prior to the break, you said that in the first exit, you felt that you weren't highlighting the Pinoy Dev ecosystem enough. Mm-hmm. Right, and of course, for those people who don't know who this guy is and how much he's meant to developers, if you're a developer and you're listening to to this now, you probably don't know, or if you do, that's great. That Winston founded DevCon. Yeah. Right. Is that your way to to pay it for it? Yeah, I I think that you know. Um, so you're fortunate about two things. So you've right. now proven yourself that you can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, first, got a job in, in Silicon Valley. Second, did the VC thing. Then you have the exit. And, and you start thinking, okay, how can, do, I, can, how can I do more of these, right? Yep. And I was super envious about, you know, the Indian network in Silicon Valley. They're very yeah. strong. They bring back home a lot of stuff. The, the Chinese network's very strong. And they come back to China. And they, they bring the innovation there. And Koreans do the same. Yep. And I was envious of that. And I was hoping to do a little bit of that here in the Philippines. Yeah. So I, I think after the third exit, took a breather. Mm-hmm. And I came home and set up DevCon, right? And the Got idea it. of DevCon is really to nurture, help, and, and you know, help uh, grow the Filipino geek scene. Right. Uh, when you started, how, was, how difficult was it? Because, again... DevCon developers back then in early 2000, what that it wasn't the sexy job, mm-hmm. right? Because you know people were always like, you take nursing because you'll go to the you go to abroad and whatever and whatnot. It wasn't front and center as it is now, and so now I feel that there's still a lot of uh, there's still a sh- shortage of good quality devs and whatnot. But how did you build it from where it was when you guys started? I think the really important part is to teach people to aim high. Right? Yes. To be okay with not okay. Ay, na parang, in Tagalog, it's like, parang hindi okay yung okay na. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you, you gotta aim high. And so, um, you know, people like controversy, right? So right. this is the time where it was good to talk about open source versus Microsoft. Got it. Java versus .NET, right? And, and that mm-hmm. really starts to strike the passions of Filipinos, right? And that was a good, a good time to do that. And I think that it was very, very important. Like, Nursing is a really good platform 
for the country abroad because right. we excel. Our nurses are the Top best notch. in the world, Not bar even none, close, right? right. Um, but we wanted, we need to diversify a little bit, right? right? And we were beginning to be known why as a BPO country. Yes. And to a lot of people, that seems like a good enough plateau to settle in. I yeah. was really worried about that, right? So I really Correct. wanted to um, put the word that that's not... Puede na. It's puede na. That's right. puede na. That's a good place to start, but right. you shouldn't end there. True. And so at the time, I was an officer of a software organization in the Philippines called uh, PSIA. PSIA. Yeah. In fact, the, the tagline, Rise Above, I pushed that. Wow. Uh, inside uh, but it, it didn't feel enough because it communicated to the owners of software companies it didn't communicate to the, the, the geeks yes. right so DevCon was really built as a peer-to-peer -peer mentoring ah. right the guys that have been there before have fought the battles in software teaches the new entrants to the industry correct, correct as they're beginning to learn this career in software right and i feel like if we have that then we have this big brother effect and we could really big you know build a larger technical ecosystem in the country I, so i, I want to commend you on this because i know several geeks out there that i've personally work with they have nothing but respect for her. case in point like jason torres mm -hmm. jason torres came from your program and the same thing he uses in in his when i got to work with them it's the same big brother effect we help you they even have this uh mod, this this manifesto that i scratch your back you scratch my or we protect you and kind of thing but that guy is a god. Yeah. Dev speak. Yeah. Oh my God. Like what if you look at the and then again, a lot of these open source stuff, they they take pride in the stuff they put in repositories on GitHub that other devs can do. So again, that's that's the same thing passing it down into passing it out to more devs that are uh, pushing the whole tempo. Yeah, I, I think these guys are like, you know, they're great already. And right. it just needed um an, an environment uh, for them to thrive and, okay. and more actually with Jason I was just lucky that he decided to, to, to work with us for a brief time and you can kind of see him outgrowing the company far faster than the company is growing and it was yeah. it was great because now he's he's an entrepreneur himself oh my he's, god uh, this like, guy is yeah. god he's god right yeah. in, in coding if you don't know Jason Torres look him up on GitHub and the, the Rico Santa Cruz's of the world and yeah. whatnot these guys yeah, are, there's, there's a lot of Alistair um, yeah, they're Alistair, all have, right have have had a lot of accomplishments and uh, there's Jonas Lim from Exist. Yep. So there's a lot of people that have now kind of kind of come out uh, in that mindset of us Pinoys, we can't be happy with what we have yes. here, right? And and kind of grow from there. And and there's probably more, right? We just lack the community to, to kind of draw us back together. So um, that's been kind of what I do now. Right. The other area that I, I really uh, am focusing in mm -hmm. uh, is to help our conglomerates, our largest companies, because they touch the most number of Filipinos today, get digital as quickly as possible. Right, right. right? So um, uh, I took a big stab at that by being yeah. a chief strategy officer of PLDT. How did that opportunity come? <laughs> because I was like, what? I know Winston is like, he has Morph Labs, he has all these things exist. And even back in when I met you in like 2014, 2013, you started even investing on startup founders. Yeah. Like the... Uh, what's this? Uh, Unix and what and them, right? Yeah, and we have a few of them. So Unix and Raymond, they've right. actually built, sold, and now do building again. Exactly. Um, so, you know, I think it's just trying to kind of scratch all the itch that you have. Correct. Uh, and from my perspective, I've always wondered, you know, what you can do if you have a strategic position in the largest company in the Philippines. Of course, which is and, PLDT. And, and right? so... 
Uh, I've, I haven't had a job working for anyone for a very long time, but in 2014, okay. MVP said, look, if you really want to help, right, this is the place to do it. Got and it. Uh, I took a stab at that, and that was a very, very interesting experience. I'm equally proud that a lot of people that I've worked with at PLDT, because okay. we created a startup inside PLDT right, called, right, uh, right. called Talas, right? And right. A lot of the people that came out of that program, like, I'm so proud of them now, like, you know, guys like Mike Lualati, chief architect of BDO. Right. You know, I've worked with uh, other people now, like, you know, Blue Divinesh, I was working, I was able to work with him side by side. He's yeah, now yeah. like a head honcho at Metrobank right. you know, in technology. Um, so there's a lot of the people that they came, Alvin Henrano is right. now, you know, like, a, oh a name. My God. so there was yeah. a lot of great people that came into that group that yeah. I had an opportunity to work with mm-hmm. that is beginning to think far beyond what PLDT can offer them. Absolutely. And so that's still a viable option. That's still really interesting. Right. Uh, but for me, um, I wanted to scale that even more. So I, I became that for hire for a few more other conglomerates, right? So, ah. so I worked with BDO and all the other uh, large institution here. Um, I'm helping pioneer insurance, re-engineer insurance, period. Yes, yes. Because right? I mean, we tried to works with them in, in chatbot creation and whatnot because they're apparently the way they do business is just so very on the ground with the nanas and the whatevers yeah. that that sell uh these these insurance and it's hard to automate if it's very human centric yeah and how do you make technology that is very idiot proof that any any person can use it and that's always a challenge with, with product development right yeah that was really interesting because you know these guys are successful. PLDT, you know, right. was success. You know, is successful in what they're doing. BDO is the largest bank. Right. Pioneer is the largest local non-life provider, and then we work with Card, which is the largest microcapital company in the Philippines. Yeah. So they're large and very large, very successful companies. You know, take a while to pivot. Right. Ah, it's yes. like a big battleship. Right? Yep. It's hard to turn them around, especially if a little tugboat just pushing it. <laughs> so I'm teaching them how to build, you know, aircraft Absolutely. carriers and launch fighter jets, right? Absolutely. <laughs> and that way they're still big, but they can be a little right. bit more, more nimble that way. So um, that's one of the things that I do. Okay. Uh, and that fuels um, the growth and profitability of Amihan uh, and exist. And we're proud. You know, we're about 250 people now. Wow. Uh, very profitable, growing fast. Okay. Uh, but now that's another platform for me to build new things like new startups. So I'm, I'm back in the startup game and um, I'm also uh, uh, back in a little bit of a VC game. I'm, I'm funding companies again. Oh, there you go. That's why I was like, woo, Winston's back and whatnot. Because there was a good period like, man, it's so hard to, to I wanted to pick your brain for the longest time. Right, and I know you're a busy man and whatnot. I, I see you post that oh, you're back in the valley and whatnot. And the last time I saw you prior to us meeting again was in a plane from San Francisco. Yeah. <laughs> like what? Okay, uh, it, it's it's so random. But hey, when you see this guy, you have to pick and read. And again, just going back to what you do now with what with with the Amihans of the world and and whatnot, the Akalefs. What? do you focus on now is it still is there a technology stack that you want to push because back then it's open source right and now that's normal yeah. open source is there something new again that you're trying to push forward with what you're building well i guess there's two transformations that i'm seeing in myself one okay. is um i used to always love being a playing coach and now i'm a little bit more like a coach ah. right so mihan is ably run by jerry rapis wow. and he see you know he's president for mihan yeah. And he's doing a great job there. And mm. he really allows me to do other things right? Yeah. That, that I'm happy about. I went to Silicon Valley because I wanted to see if I still got it. 
And, <laughs> um, you know, can I hang with these young kids, right, that, yeah. that's talking about stuff. And, and what's fascinating for me um, is that there's this, what I call teching of the industries, right? Teching of yeah. the industry. So there's, you've heard about insure tech, uh, right? FinTech, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Agri-tech mm. and retail tech, right? And what it is, is actually uh, a proof point that very large enterprise have be- come to realize that technology is going to change their business in a fundamental way. Amen. Right? So Amazon's killing off, you know, the retail, the yep. retailers, not just Barnes & Noble, but any no, retail, right? Walmart even. And, so, and soon right. grocery stores, right? right? So we've already seen over Uber decimate, you know, uh, yeah. the transportation industry in the, in, in the U.S., uh, and grab here in the Philippines, right. and we're going to see more of that, right? And that that's coming. And so, what's interesting for me, and what's a unique opportunity for us in my team, is that we've seen industries now with our transformation work, yeah. and we know tech, right? Ah. And I can actually combine both, right? So Saffron is a really good example. Okay, Saffron is an insure tech, insure right? tech, okay. but it starts with a partnership with Pioneer Insurance and Card. Wow. The largest player. So we start with a million customers and we okay. apply tech. Wow. Right? And soon we're going to build something in retail that starts with a few hundred thousand Saudi Saudi stores. Wow. And add blockchain supply tech to it. Right. Dude. We're going to work with a large provider of agricultural products and make it agri tech. Right? Got it. And so I think the teching of the fundamental industries is really exciting okay. uh, because it now touches a lot of people very quickly. Okay. I think it's the space where in ASEAN, where we're growing economy, yeah, uh, massive transformation will occur in at, at the mm-hmm. country and, and region level. Yep. Uh, so I'm back aiming high. There you go. <laughs> uh, I'm taking risk and putting it out there and, and working with a team. And, and so that, that, that energy that I thought kind of tapered in and right, cruised right. for a while. Right. Um, you know, I've I've kind of I've taken that break and thought about it. I wrote a book, ready or not. Uh, oh wow. Okay, uh, let's let's put that um, in the show notes. If you get again, yeah. this guy this is like, man, this if you're 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 out there now Wild Rushmore, for you to be able to put up a book worth of your thoughts and your experiences. That's that. I, that's my dream too. Eventually, <laughs> uh, uh, you'll you'll get there. I think it's just yeah, a matter yeah. of, of finding time and, and, and yeah, have good correct. fortune. So, yeah, I mean, I, it's 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 that and mm-hmm. and taking stock of things that you've learned. I, I certainly have done a lot more mistakes than I have correct. success with, uh, and I'm I'm beginning to uh, think about them, reflect on them, uh, and making sure that not only do I not repeat them, that I really learn from them and I can correct. share that. Uh, and then taking a stab at it again. So I think it's, there you go, uh, it's exciting. And when 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 Winston's up to something, it it rattles stuff. You know, it ruffles the feathers and not, but in a good way. And if you're out here again on the prowl, and then then you know, and then then doing doing your next moves, it's a chess game. But I've always <laughs> well, seen you do checkmate every single time. No, we're, we're, we don't, I don't have the gotcha attitude anymore. I don't think right. I, I'm, I'm as as aggressive as I was before. I'm right. a bit more um, on this, you know, Zen. a bit more relaxed yeah. state. Uh, but the ambition's still there, right? I think we yeah. still want greatness uh, for the geeks, and it's more for the community now than for the individuals. Uh, it's more for the country now in the region more than you yeah. know any one company. So I think 
that's kind of the the a lot of my effort is spent towards there. So DevCon, for instance, hitting its tenth year this year. Yes, congratulations! Um, so By the way, we're also doing something in DevCon, DevCon X Hustle Shared. So just watch out. We're not. Yeah, I'm not going to say. Exciting! But, Thank you for yeah, for yeah. Uh, volunteering for that. Yep. Um, but I think there's still work to be done. I actually, when I was at Echelon, I felt like the Filipino uh, entrepreneur and tech scene uh, underrepresented, still is, is underrepresented, uh, still somewhat underdeveloped compared yep. to our closest neighbor, even in yep. Indonesia. Um, and I talked to a lot of the VCs there, and some of them are actually, you know, yeah, uh, we've known them for a while. Good old facts, right? right? And and, yeah. and they're still trying to figure out how to invest in the Philippines. And I felt like. You know, by now we should have been a little bit more mature, and that yeah. maybe that, that there's still work to be done there. Mm. Uh, and it, it it's gonna start with a collab, a true collaboration between yes. between actual entrepreneurs, yeah, um, that have uh, good business uh, goals and interests. So, right, um, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to doing more of that. Absolutely. Now, again, let's take a break, and when we come back. Now, this is this the curveball time. I saw where we're gonna be talking about tips. So. Guys, if you don't have a pen with you, this is the time we get it because this is where Winston is going to share tips about how to hustle and improve your game, especially for devs. So let's talk about that more after the break. Hey, Hustlers, it's time to talk business once again, and we're excited to share a bit more info about our sponsors, Sprout Solutions. And again, just like what I said at the start of the episode, you should check out Sprout's Payroll Starter as you grow your own startup. Because this bundle that they have is literally what you need to take your startup to the next level as you grow your employees. And this bundle is your key to freedom, including payroll outsourcing to experts, a subscription to timekeeping and attendance software, and government compliance services. Sprout's Payroll Starter has you covered for payroll, BIR, SSS, and taxes. All the stuff that no founder loves to do. So let Sprout handle the busy work and say goodbye to lines and tax payment stress. All this for as low as 5,000 pesos. Again, that's just 5,000 pesos all in for your payroll and HR needs. So visit sprout.eh payroll-starter-monthly-5k or again, just click the link in the description box of this episode to elevate your business management game. And again, big thank you to Sprout Solutions for liberating your time for what truly matters. Hey Hustlers, wish there was an easy way to open a bank account and grow your money without the hassle of lengthy application process and income documents? Well, I got good news because today's sponsor, Uno Digital Bank, is here to help you achieve your financial goals. You can easily open an account with the Uno app in just five minutes and one valid ID. And as one of the six digital banks licensed by the Banco Central ng Pilipinas, the company is committed to providing customers with simpler, better, and more accessible banking. Last year, Uno Bank was recognized by the Asia Banking and Finance Awards and bagged the title Open Banking Initiative of the Year due to the success of its partnership with Gcash, one of the Philippines' leading mobile wallet platforms. And with the Uno mobile app, you can access an hashtag UnoReady savings account and enjoy daily interest crediting. With their hashtag UnoEarn or hashtag UnoBoost time deposit accounts, you can enjoy a high interest rate of up to 6.5% per annum. 
Enjoy monthly payouts with hashtag UnoEarn and flexible tenors with hashtag UnoBoost. Other app features include pay bills, the Uno Virtual Debit MasterCard, life insurance, scan and pay with QRPH, and phones. And the one thing that I really love about Uno Digital Bank is they're open to collaborate with a lot of Filipino startups. I've had a chance to see the partnerships that they've had lined up with the startups that they have, and it's truly exciting to see how a digital bank like Uno can enable startups to unlock the power of fintech through digital banking. So if you're ready to elevate your banking experience, download the Uno mobile app today from the Google Play Store or App Store. Or if you want to collaborate with them, I'll be happy to give you an intro. Just shoot us an email at hello at huffleshare.com. Hey, Hustlers, I hope you're having a great 2024 so far. As you know, a lot of startups had a very challenging 2023, and hopefully things are going to do better this year for a lot of us. Not just because it's the year of the dragon, but also because our sponsor, Dragon Pay, is here to help your startups process payments in the most efficient way. Established in 2010, Dragon Pay empowers businesses of all sizes to accept and disperse payments through secure and convenient channels, giving your customers the flexibility to choose the payment method that suits them best. With over 85 partner channels, 35,000 partner branches nationwide, including QRPH, e-wallets, crypto, buy now, pay later, and many more. They also process an astonishing 15 million transactions processed globally each month. Dragon Pay is your trusted choice for online payments. And here's something to show you how legit Dragon Pay is. Dragon Pay was named FinTech of the Year at last year's Philippine FinTech Festival in 2023. So let's make 2024 extra prosperous for you and your startup in this year of the Dragon. For more details, head on over to dragonpay.ph. That's dragonpay.ph. Trust the pioneer, trust Dragon Pay. Welcome back from the break. We're still with Winston Damarillo. Oh my God, if, you're, if you haven't learned this much yet, then prepare because we're about to go uh, into the trenches and ask Winston and pick his brain on what to do with, with a lot of his grinding and hustle. All right, Winston, you ready? Okay. Okay, let's begin. Go. The first one I wanted to ask is, you've always seemed to see diamonds in the rough or things hidden in plain sight in terms of opportunities. How do you spot the right opportunities uh, that, that you wanted to see, like, you know, the open source thing? Back then, nobody knew that, or if they are, they, are, they weren't doing that. How did you spot the right opportunities that people can also see when they look at something and then people always go after the Red Ocean and just copy the next best thing and whatnot? I think it, it has to do with actually affiliating yourself to a community, right? A lot of people, mm. you know, we, we have this term we use like posters or, yeah. you know, people that are just riding waves, right? But right. I think genu- you can genuinely spot opportunities when you're genuinely a part of that community, right? Ah. So I knew how to make money from open source because I was in open source, right? I, I wrote yeah. code for open source, right? Um, when, when Amazon released its first product called the S3, right? It was just okay. simply just hard drive in the cloud, right? Oh. We were beginning to see that, you know, it can expand beyond hard drive on the cloud. It'll be like a computer in the cloud. And then all yes. of a sudden, it became Amazon AWS, right? So you spot that because you're there, right? Yeah. Um, 
Uh, I'm seeing a lot of this teching of the industry now because I am in the business of transforming large enterprise, right? So I'm beginning to see that they understand that the large part of their customers transforming digital mm-hmm. and that their battleships can just pivot fast enough, right? And then fintechs and insurtechs and agritechs So you have to be in up. the trenches or in that community to see what's there because you can't just say like, all right, I want to solve uh, healthcare, but you're not in healthcare. How the hell are you going to yeah. do that? Well, right? a lot of people are probably good at spotting from afar. I I just don't know how to do that. Okay. Um, I've been blessed that I spent um, my investments and my time in the spaces I'm passionately Got it. a part of. Um, but there are other also like other things that you're beginning to see trends, right? So, for instance, uh, my wife loves indie products from the Philippines, right? Yeah, I love you know so. You know, from that affiliation, we're beginning to put together an investment thesis around indiepreneurs. Right? Are you yeah. kidding me? So my indi- girlfriend, a shout out to my wife, my girlfriend, soon to be wife. Uh, I, w- I will propose one tech. <laughs> <laughs> but eventually, this, if you're r- r- listening to this three years down the road or two years out, she's probably my wife already. Um, All right. this she's putting up her own uh, organic skincare brand. Yeah. Yeah, she's doing it all organic and whatnot, and it's doing a killing on the pop-up bazaars that mm-hmm. we're doing. That's my job in the weekends. Mm-hmm. And she's making killing on online sales. Yeah, so that's, you know, um, just because, right? My wife loves doing that. Uh, we go to Artifino. We get to see all these wow. um, models of the Philippines, like upcycling your know, rugs to riches with, with wow. Reese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Anya uh, at Ant Hill, right, who's right. Right, incorporating village uh, design stuff yeah. into clothes. Um, that because we're in that scene, I'm beginning to see a pattern that Filipinos uh, may not be the best software geeks in the world, may not right. be persistently the BPO capital of the world. Okay. But we do have really creative people, right? Absolutely. And, and we do love art and we do love Gosh, products that have stories so and we love, right. yeah. So again, that's being in the industry mm-hmm. allows you to spot opportunities, right? right? And so for me, my formula has always been, you know, I, I spot where I <laughs> where I where I where I hang out, right? Yeah. So right now I'm hanging out uh, with very large companies, very very worried about you know little disruptors yeah. up on their business, yeah. And and my job is to accelerate their ability right. to stay number one. Uh, but while I'm at it, I'm also seeing that businesses have to change, right? Like insurance cannot be sold the way insurance no. has been sold in order for us to provide insurance to everyone and that capital. Uh, how do you give capital to one million Filipino Sari Sari stores, right? right? Where right. they're small and tiny, and how, how can bank underwrite that? Or that, you know, how do you provide food for a country whose agrarian reform has mangled our ah, plotlands, right? You cannot industrialize farming here because mm-hmm. they're being broken into little pieces. And how do you turn that um, concern? into a strength of saying, well, let's do boutique farming then, right? And how do you then create an industry around boutique farmers and how do you create a technology that binds multiple boutique farmers so that restaurants can feel there's good supply chain from boutique farms to create sustainable. So I think that's, I I think just being observant in where you are and deciding where you're going to be, it allows me to look into opportunity. And then that's one ingredient is like the market opportunity, but then Mm. you combine that with people. Yes. And then you combine that with capital, and then you combine that with global trend, and I think that makes up a startup. You mentioned te- people, right? We're talking about teams. You're, you, you, prior to the break, you said you had around 250 people, mm-hmm. and you can't, you can't do this alone, right? Yeah. You mentioned the CEO of Amihan is a big boon to you and whatnot. 
What's your philosophy in looking for the right people to work with? What are you looking for and how do you empower them? Yeah, a lot of people say so many things, but for me, it just comes down to one. It's resilience. Resilience. Right? Yeah, it's someone that will, um, that has enough vision to go after something yep. and has enough resilience to survive all the challenges along the way. Absolutely. Right? It's always been that. I mean, you can always find people that are good geeks. You can always find people that are good business people. Mm -hmm. You can always find people that, that can create products. Yep. But it's rare to find people that will, you know, that has enough yep. resilience uh, to address challenges. This is a high failure business, right? Oh, fuck. And, you're, <laughs> and, and, and when you're playing in a high failure rate business, right? Right. You got to like have, you know, the ability to, to survive it. And so the one consistent trait that I've seen of people that I've worked with that have become successful. Right. And sometimes when I look at the mirror, including myself, has always been resilience. Right. Yeah. yeah I wake up in the morning and, you know. Understand that it's going to be a tough day, but still get up and out bring of it, the bed. Right. Go get to, back yeah, up, so right. bring it up. So I think that's that's one piece. The, the rest are secondary. It's there's ambition, there's skills, right, and yeah. there's the ability to uh, to sell. But I think you know, start with resilience, and, and you'll get there. In terms of how do you support them, right? I mean, at the end of the day, regardless if you're resilient and what, what's your what's your strategy in empowering them to become successful? Because at the end of the day, you're you're you've climbed to the top of the Everest and you're trying to pull them up. But well, group, link, group thinking and all that stuff, right, becomes the next most important thing is culture, right? Yes. And, and, and culture is kind of that X factor yes. because with culture, the drive and a collective drive happens, right? So we mm -hmm. all have to tackle cloud computing. Nobody's done this before. Okay, mm -hmm. let's go attack it collectively. Yep. And with numbers, Bigger resilience, yeah. right? Strength in numbers. That's so valuable. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Go Warriors. And that's why open source was really yeah. a good lesson for me to start, yeah. right? Because we sat out to build an operating system that was going to be based on Unix, out of Unix that was going to compete against Windows because we, we were at the yeah. time discontent yeah. with Windows. And what came out of that is Linux, right? And without community culture of I don't give a shit how many developers yeah. those guys have. Yeah. <laughs> right? We'll we're, go for it. We're, we're millions around the world yeah. and we'll persevere, right? And we're yeah. going to build this thing and compete with Windows. I think that's the first kind of example I can point out to what comes after resilience is that culture, right? That we're going to yes. build it. We're going to iterate it frequent. We're going to continuously improve. Right. Right. And, and, and we're eventually going to get there. So I think that helps me quite a bit. Yeah. In so resilience is an individual trait. Culture is kind of how you then collectively put them together. Got it. Uh, I allow my teams to have different subcultures within the company, mm. uh, but Amihan Blue Code exist morph. Uh, there's one persistent culture that I always preach to everyone, and that's you know the the industrial engineering motto: "There's always a better way." Ah. <laughs> so whatever it is, there's always a better way, and that kind of gets people to drive, you know. And, continuously improve themselves. That is amazing. Now, Winston, as a dev, right, it's hard to make that jump because as always, as my CTO, uh, JC Velasquez, shout out to you, the biggest challenge for devs sometimes is to understand the business case, mm -hmm. right? You know how to make the, make the code and make the great sprint and whatnot. But if you don't, if there's always a disconnect, that's why there's scrum masters and whatnot, right? That, that exists because there's always a disconnect between business and code. How did you able to make that jump? And 
what's your advice for devs who want to be better or or for businesses who want to create better product and whatnot vice versa because always like it become it becomes polarized sometimes i think your journey to becoming the best dev you want to be uh, is not complete until you've learned how to understand business requirements. Got it. Right? There's a lot of devs that says, I'm fine writing code, right? Give me a PM and a business analyst to feed me what I'm supposed to write. Um, I would say those developers are just in the stage of completing themselves. So they haven't really gotten there. I think if you look at the best devs that have become people that we look up to, Jason, Mark, Jason yeah. you know, yeah, even... Um, uh, even Silicon Valley greats, right? Yep. They're devs at the beginning. They completed their journey by understanding what, what people want. Yes. Right? And they wrote the code to what people want. And they became better devs because they understood what they were writing it for. Yes. So the secret is get there. Finish the finish your cycle, right, as a dev. Yes. Do not end with, I just write what my PM tells me or I just write what my <laughs> BA wrote in the business requirements, right? right. The finish, the, finish that story and learn how to express that story right yeah uh, geeks that talk geeks that hustle and you're right, gonna right, give right. You have a hand in helping put that <laughs> together is that yes. I, I think the more you can express what you're writing the better you become at writing it and that's Absolutely. surprisingly a really interesting cycle got it that you know it, it's again sometimes it requires a little bit of extroversion or ambivert you don't even have to be an extrovert to get there because some devs are just shy to go out there but you're just again the only one stopping from in order for you to understand the business case you have to develop that soft skill as well to to go after all these weird extroverted business people yeah. as well because that's how you're going to understand that right okay now Winston next one products how do you what what makes a good product? Because okay, we always we always say this. There's always that saying of "fake it till you make it," right? But you yeah. can only get away with that for so long, especially in your if you're an MVP mode. But what makes a good product that can scale, that can really change the game in whatever it's trying to solve? I think the product in the customer's hand is a good product, right? And it, it. It, it continuously improves. So there's a lot of people that are afraid to release a product. Yes, they become like, oh, they over-engineered something. They over-engineered to perfection, right? right. And, and then they hide behind the statement, the customers just on, don't understand the product. <laughs> um, so uh, to me, the best products is a product that gets out to market as quickly as we can. Got it. Um, that reacts to customer feedback as Got quickly it. as it can possibly be. Okay. And understands how to address the most market it can possibly address. Got right? it. So, so I think it's it's more organic. Um, products are best done when, when you when you learn how to do that. Now Absolutely. it doesn't mean that you're perpetually MVP. I kind of hate that term, right? Because um, it means good enough, right? right. I think good enough. Again, I, I think it, enough. I think it's good to set expectation, right? Got like it. I'm building an innovation, but it's early. If you come yeah. into this journey with me, you will get something out of it as well. Yeah. So start having that partnership with your customer as early as possible. Okay. And then improve your product with your customer. Yeah. Because um, that's what we do, right? Like the first thing I do, like, you know, just like you, right? Chatbot. Then you go to the customer, like, I don't completely know what chatbots can do, but if you just put it in your business, I, I know that it will replace something. Absolutely. Right? And if you can gain enough customer trust that mm. they do that with you. And hold your right? hand while we're doing hold it. Hold your hand when you're right. doing that. And you make sure that you give you know, reciprocal value to that customer. Correct. Like if you're first, I'm going to take care of you. Yeah. Right. Um, 
I think that's the best way to build products. That's, that's how right. I built products in the past. Mm-hmm. It means might mean that some of my first customers go through pain. Right. <laughs> right. Um, that's a that's a growing pain though. Right? Yeah. And and that's the same thing, right? Like we did the first Hadoop big data environment in the Philippines in wasn't pretty. Twenty fourteen, yeah. right? Yeah. At BDO. And that wasn't pretty. Yeah. But if you look at it, they're probably the only bank with a completed big data environment with zero data warehouse. Wow. Right? And and so there's dividend to being early. Correct. But there's also pain in the early stages. Correct. Right? Because so, you pay the guinea pig the, yeah. the scars. <laughs> yeah, but now they've they've gotten security, they've gotten, Same. you know, governance, yeah. you know, written right and they've understood the product, they grew with it. Um so it's equally important, you know, if you inflict pain, you better inflict value. Absolutely. That's <laughs> so, the first mover advantage, yeah. though. That's yeah. So, so um, I think a lot of it is making sure that you set expectations sure. uh, really well. Okay. Sounds good. Now, you mentioned about corporates earlier, right? This is a hard, hard thing to do. Because, again, startup culture versus corporate culture uh it's, it's totally, it's, it's night and day sometimes. Mm-hmm. How can startups and corporates find that right middle ground to work with each other it's always a challenge because corporates need for growth or need for customer acquisition always far outweighs a startup absolutely so you don't have that imbalance to begin with and it is incumbent upon the startup to discover the synergy right Ah. and to protect itself so what makes it hard for a startup to work with very large corporates, especially if doing they're in the exact mm-hmm. same business, right? So if a fintech goes to a bank, oh, right, that's kind of hard to work with, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's really important for that fintech to then say, your core markets are the A, B, and C market. I will help you get the D or mm, the E. Don't right? go after the same thing. Right. And, and so the overlap's always hard, even if the CEO agrees that, you know, my future A, B, and C market will yeah. use your technology. Yeah. The institution will not, right? Because mm. the branch managers, and it'll take them a while to do that. Yeah. So if a startup tends to address mm. a, a non-buyer for, you should mm. always start with the non-buyer of a large startup. In my opinion, that's right. what I've seen to have worked. Start with the non-buyer and say, look, A, B, and C, you serve well. DE is served by rural banks, right? I'll bring yes. these customers to you. Using yeah, my tech and lower costs, so and we work in, together. In yeah. short, basically, you're gonna have to find them a blue ocean to address with your tech. Yes, I, I think that's that's uh, that's kind of one of the surefire ways I've seen work. Okay, um, and the other is is really um, bringing them to new markets, right? Then, so it's it's really along those lines. It, otherwise, it's really hard to work with um, startups and, okay. and and entrepreneurs at the same time, or, or big companies at the same time. Okay. Okay, now Winston, uh, it's it's an open secret that you're also an angel investor, right? But are, you, are is that correct? Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, okay. We are actually we're investing again. Okay, <laughs> so perfect. you know, I think I'm, I'm bringing back my all my all my uh, personal interests all at the same right, time right. now. So it's uh, who have you invested on pri- before? Like, I know Unix. Uh, did, uh, we invested in uh, Orchestronics. Uh, yep. We invested in you know Luis. Ah, uh, right. Point, Luis, right, point, right, yeah. right, 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 right. Um, we've invested in, um, see, who else? Oh, in Zapateria. Oh, uh, so this, the one with you. So that Marikina oh, shoemaking. Oh, wow. So we invested in Unix again. So yes. we like to reinvest in our right, right. Uh, startups. We have two stealth investments now that they're waiting for us to, wow. to announce. 
Um, and then we are building our own startups. In fact, you know, I was yeah. just talking to uh, <laughs> a few of our partners who are triggering okay. our second large startup on Monday. Oh, wow. Um, Man, you're up to a lot of stuff. Yeah. And um, I'm, I'm very interested to see what you're going to do. But uh, my question first is, um, first one, from a mindset of an angel and a VC when you're doing VC work, what's the difference? Because I've never tackled this before in, 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 in Hustle Chef. Well, an investor, a VC, uh, I'm old school VC, right? right so when, right. when VCs was formed in Silicon Valley, it was because uh, the geeks were having a hard time getting investments because they were non-conventional right, investments right. at they, the they time. Right? So, it's, it's, it. right. so it's really more like I invest in you because I believe in you. And I, I'm old school that way. right? God. I invest in people I believe in. I don't invest in markets. Yep. I don't invest in trends. I don't invest in, you know, uh, bling. <laughs> yeah. Right. I invest in people. So that's kind of my main criteria. Mm -hmm. And I invest in, a, in, in several different ways, in several different stages. Okay. Uh, there's startups that I've, can see that, hey, you just need a little bit more money to go to market. So yep. invest that way. That's a go-to-market investment. Mm -hmm. There's some promising people in the very early stage that I, I knew one day they're going to be really, really good entrepreneurs. Right. But sometimes I tell them, look, why don't you just join one of the startups for now, right? Got it. You know, take advantage of other people's money yeah, yeah. Uh, as you learn. Uh, right. So I can invest as early as that to an individual. Um, but for most part, what we're doing is I'm collaborating with large conglomerates and we're birthing ah. startups and we're composing the startup founders that way. Ah. Uh, and that's kind of a different kind of an investment. Yeah, yeah, so it's yeah. not quite Idea Labs, it's not quite Kickstarter, it's not quite right, DC. Right. But what we're doing is we're forming joint ventures with conglomerates and I form a leadership team that are essentially founders as well. So that's, you know, Got any it. of those stages, welcome. Awesome. So in terms of um, how you manage it is it different with with is angels are more involved right compared to v, to to a traditional vc oh yeah like i don't ever do passive investments Got so it. if you want to take money from me be, be you know be ready to be you're gonna get a lot of winston <laughs> yeah right? yeah and so i don't do a lot i mean i do a few uh okay. but it's people i i profoundly trust and and, mm. and believe in is it um, the same characteristic resilience that you look for it's resilience uh primarily that okay. i look for um and uh, it's also, um, you know, someone that uh, has uh, good ambition, right? And yeah. Going after something big and meaningful. So it doesn't have to be billions of dollars, but, you know, helping a lot of yeah. people. It's also a good Borderline crazy. Or, or, bring, <laughs> or bringing back, you know, sh the shoe industry in Marikina yeah, or right, right. any along those lines is interesting for me. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I only invest, you know, in in investment in areas that I feel like, you know, I would do it myself if this guy Absolutely. wasn't doing it. Got it. So again, if you're a startup founder and you feel like your startup is like that, then, you know, Winston is right there. And you've seen, you've seen it happen again. Unix Santa Ana is a perfect example. Exit and now it's doing it again. And, and we're funding her again, right? Exactly. So I think we're, we're doing that. Uh, for Mosa Raymond uh, uh, is also doing that and he's about to build his own startup soon. Oh, wow. Um, and there's a few that, that we like Mm -hmm. uh, and and obviously anybody from Exist, Amihan, mm -hmm. you know any of my companies that have been uh, part it. of that group that you know wants to build a startup is always my first priority. <laughs> Absolutely, keep it within the family. Yeah, right. Now, Quentin, let's let's throw a couple of curveballs here, right? Because uh, it's all fun and games, right? But there are always challenges. Yeah. What was your biggest fuck up ever? I think to me. Uh, I don't consider business that didn't prosper a fuck up. Okay. I don't consider um, 
uh, investments that that never materialize is screw up. I think where I really feel bad and I really kind of carry it for a very long time is when I mess up relationships. Ah. And a lot of it, uh, you know, happens in the life of a founder. Right? Absolutely. There's um, going to be inevitable burn bridges along the way sometimes. Yeah, and, and, and there are bridges that, a lot of bridges that I burned that I wish I didn't. Um, yeah. That I still look at. And, and to me, you know, I, I messed up with my biggest, you know, you know, um, I, I think one mentor I supremely look up to up until this day, not because yeah. of what he's done in investment and technology and helping yeah. the Philippines is Dado Banatao. Right. Right. I messed it up with Dado. Oh, wow. <laughs> as an example. I did right? not know this. Okay. Um, and it's really more of, you know, kind of, you know, I, I set an expectation and I sought this mentorship and I right. went the other way. Right. Yeah. And, and so... Um, that's not fair to your mentor right. if you ask him to help you yeah, and then absolutely. you do something else some other way. Right. <laughs> um, and, you know, when I look back in my career, that's the one area which I wish I can take back. Right? Absolutely. And so I've been knocking on the other's door saying, dude, sorry. You know, I <laughs> um, but, but how is it like? Because someone in the previous uh, episodes uh, from uh, Kumu, uh, Roland mm-hmm. Ross, mm-hmm. described Dado as this very down-to-earth guy. And he whatnot. is, yeah. Yeah, so don't mess up with that. <laughs> yeah. Right? And so that just tells you that, you know, no matter what, you know, you could make mistakes, right? And as long as you realize it, someday you'll forgive me, I guess. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think that's those are important because, uh, like I said, at the end of the day, it's all humans. And I think the important part is, is those relationships are preserved uh, yep. because at the end of the day, you don't really think about, you know, how much money you made and all that stuff, right? right? It's just like the friends you made Correct. and the mentors that... That you want to think, at, you know, at the end of the day of mm-hmm. everything that's happened. That so, uh, my biggest advice is be very careful about relationships, because I think that's that's the most important asset you have as an entrepreneur. When you mess it up, it takes a while to recover from it, um, and it's never the same. It's yeah. never the same. Um, I don't know. Uh, I think right. someday um, when you go back, it's like don't disappoint your mom. Right. <laughs> don't disappoint yeah, yeah, your dad. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Kind of thing, and or don't it, cheat on your partner or something like that. Whatever. Yeah, and I think those are those are the things that, uh, like I said, I invest in people, right? So right. I expect to be off the same yeah. uh, benchmark when I ask people to invest in me. Absolutely. Uh, and so, to me, when I make a mistake in relationships, it's a big mistake. Correct. Because um, you know, when you're in startup, you're there to make risk, to take risk, yeah. right? So, you know, risk not coming to fruition. That's fair game. Correct. So it's kind of that kind of stuff is important. Um, what else? I think uh, forgetting the people that have supported you along the way. Right. <laughs> Sometimes you know, startup is kind of a uh, cycle of of ups pride down, and humility. Right. Yeah. It <laughs> right? is. Right. Like when when you get funded or when you sell yeah. your company, you you you've got a lot of pride. Right. right. And when things don't work out, you know you're humbled quite a bit, and right. then you, and you, you go, go back. through that cycle. Right. right? And how do you stay? The Even person killed. you can be proud of through that cycle, Correct. and right, uh, it's the hardest thing for me actually. True. Uh, so I, I, I stay in check. I'm, I'm blessed. My wife reminds me of that. Yes. They slap me down. And go, Absolutely. Like, Dude, there wrong. you go. Like, nope, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure your girlfriend, soon to be wife, oh, uh, will definitely have. Yep. You know, she has the most say that because right. you're That's like, like having a boardroom tired. conversation all the time, <laughs> and she's chairman all yeah, the time. Yes. Right? <laughs> I'm not boss, she is. Anyway, now last uh, question, uh, Winston. Throughout your whole journey that you've been on, right? Mm -hmm. We've always had mentorship that we we needed and whatnot. For you, what is the best advice you've ever gotten? Think the best 
advice that I've gotten is um, actually from Intel. And it's a group of mentors there that basically said that don't ever be afraid to take risks. Got it. Because I had changed at Intel. I got have gotten comfortable there, mm. right? And before I joined Intel, I've always, like I said, I said, I'm going to go over there. I'm going to mm-hmm. put two years at Intel in my resume, right. and I'm going to build my startup, That's right? And then, yeah. and then, but I stayed seven years. And I was at the point where people feel like I was cruising, right? Ah, and I was too young to cruise. Coast. <laughs> right? right? And coast, right? And so everybody was saying, look, all right, you got to get out there continuously challenge yourself and most recently i've just applied that rule like i said i went to silicon valley to test it yeah yeah. i still got it right Right. and i feel like the energy is there i can still hang with these guys i can still create (laughs) companies i can still pitch you know all that stuff and so that's just the constant way of of testing yourself so you know always keep that in mind yeah so not ready to hang my hat yet there you go (laughs) nope you still have a lot of winston very soon so again winston thank you very much for this appreciate it this is fun thank you this is awesome and we'll do this a lot very soon okay. in the next DevCon, so watch out for that. But before we let you guys go, uh, again, before uh, we wrap this season up, because it's about to end season one uh, at the end of June, we, we'll need your help. Uh, we've actually created a Hustle Share community. Please just go for Hustle Share community on Facebook and message us on Facebook in our chatbot if you want some feedback or whatnot. So go to m.me slash Hustle Share, powered by chatbot.ph. Again, Winston, thank you very much. Thank you. All right, and I'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace.